From the Ron McKeefery Podcast Network, I'm Isaiah Castilleja, and this is Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0. In this episode of Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0, Registered dietitian Susanna Melendez-Whiteman talks to us about debunking the biggest nutrition myths that athletes and coaches face, the best ways in which strength coaches can assist their athletes with nutrition, and tips on how to start a fueling station at your school. All this on another episode of Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0. The Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0 podcast is brought to you by Play. Listen in on a conversation with Play's Global Director of Performance and Education, Coach Mike Buley. Coach Buley describes the vision of how Play will continue to be the company that will propel the innovation of the strength and conditioning profession forward. Well, after 22 years of, of coaching, I've learned that connection trumps communication and that it's not enough for coaches to know that you care. And I think you got to take that a step further. They need to experience that you care. And I've always been a coach that tried to be more tra- uh, transformational than transactional. And so with that awareness in mind too, I always enjoyed working and learning and talking to other people and, and coaches and developing that camaraderie. I've always made myself available to the community because I remember how hard it was too to try to get a crack into this this profession. And, and uh, I promised myself if ever I was given a shot, I would never take advantage of that. I always allow myself to uh, help other people uh, chase their dreams in this profession. It's been very good to me. Play is a company that will help your strength conditioning program find solutions for all your needs. Review second best and check them out at play.us for more information. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Being a strength coach is difficult. And someone once said on our podcast, we pour so much into helping our athletes become better but we forget who's pouring back into us to help us become better. Without a healthy mind, coaching on the floor, programming, and maintaining the juggling act that we call life can be difficult. The good news is the therapists at BetterHelp are here to help you. Therapy can be whatever we want it to be. Maybe you need the tools to help you keep motivated, or maybe you're feeling burnt out from long days in the weight room, or you just need someone to talk to. BetterHelp is a customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist at a time that works for you. We have a very busy schedule as a strength coach, and the last thing we need to do is be driving to an office and sitting in a waiting room. Simply log into your account and message or speak to your therapist from anywhere at a time that works for you. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. BetterHelp also assesses your needs and will match you with one of over 20,000 therapists in their network. Join the millions of people who are seeing what online therapy is really about. It's always a good time to invest in yourself and make your mind your best asset. We train to keep our bodies strong and resilient. Now it's time to invest in our mental health too. And as a special offer to Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0 listeners, you can get 10% off your month of professional therapy at betterhelp.com slash chalk. 
That's betterhelp.com slash C-H-A-L-K. And thanks again for BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0. Today, we are joined by Susanna Melendez-Whiteman. She is currently the head of sports nutrition at Sam Houston State University. Previously, she was at Mercy Elite Performance, and she's also had stops at with the New York Mets, Liberty University, and the University of Arizona. Welcome to the podcast, Susanna. Thank you, Coach. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Could you tell us a little bit about your role at Sam Houston State? Yes, sir. Uh, so I plan uh, individualized uh, and performance nutrition education uh, for all of the athletes here at Sam Houston. Uh, and that is new. I was previously just working with our football team. So about maybe a month and a half, two months ago, they brought me on full time to work with all of the athletes, which, which has been a task, but amazing mm-hmm. to work with so many different sports. Um, and I also manage our, we'll call them fueling stations because nutrition is a little bit more new around here. Uh, really work on body comp testing, uh, managing budgets, uh, travel meals, anything that you consider would fall under the word food or nutrition. Uh, I handle all of it. (laughs) So, I mean, how do you manage that? I'm only assuming in my head when you hear, I hear you plan nutrition fueling stations. I know what it's like to be one person with the entire athletics department. I'd imagine it's a pretty similar feat of planning and just all around a lot of work to do everything for that, for like an entire athletic department. So how do you manage all that? It's, it really, you're right. It really is. It's a lot of work. It's a Mm. lot of knowing that you're not going to have very much help and knowing that you have to get it done. A lot of long hours, Mm. similar to what obviously strength strength coaches experience here Mm. at 5am. Don't leave until six, maybe seven occasionally. Mm-hmm. Um, traveling with the teams, it, it does get difficult. I I would say I was very blessed in starting with just working with our football team. So that's a hundred give or take athletes. And that made it a little bit easier because our head coach and our coaching staff was already really open to having me around and kind of allowing me to do what I wanted. There was okay. not a, a dietitian here before. So they kind of understood my role, but didn't really, they, they more thought of me as a, you know, consultant mm. that would come in and sit down with the, with the athletes and just chat with them. And I, th- I think they very quickly understood that that's not what my, what my role was going to be. I was going to be a lot more involved than they had considered. So I think starting out, maybe just counseling the athletes was the first thing. And then kind of adding on things from there. So adding on a single fueling station and then adding on maybe group sessions and then adding on. So once I kind of got used to having a couple of things, just piling on more and more and more and more until it just sort of became second nature. Nice. That's, um, that's a good story. And I, I like how you don't, you know, romanticize your position or, you know, I, I try not to do that with us because just 
there's a lot of hard work that goes into, and and I know you guys are you know defending national champions, so you're on the field, all the happy celebration, but it was hours and hours and hours for that whole season of you getting in there. And I think that's important for other listeners or other um, nutritionists or uh, dietitians that are listening to that want to become like that full-time um, position, let them know that it takes a lot of work to get to where you're at. Now, uh, what would you say came First, were you big into nutrition? I knew you were a D1 athlete in Arizona. So was it a nutrition always a passion of yours? Did that come after you started becoming an athlete or where did, where did this passion did start? Yeah. Uh, so I was like most, right. Like most strength and conditioning coaches, like most dietitians, a lot of athletic trainers, um, we end up here because we were athletes once upon a time. Mm-hmm. So I didn't know that sports nutrition was even a job. I didn't know that you could combine sports and nutrition. I I think I didn't really understand that I that I could be a dietitian nutritionist um, mm. until I made it to college. Mm. And the only reason I kind of figured out that that was even a job that I could have was because I was brought into my coach's office and I was told I needed to gain like 20 pounds. And it wasn't an, it wasn't a good conversation by any means. It was a, you are far too skinny. You need to get it together. You need to put some weight on right now, figure it out. Mm. And there wasn't really any guidance. We didn't have a sports dietitian at the time. Uh, So naturally what happened was I ended up asking my strength coach to help me with it. And he did as much as he could, you know, Mm. as, as much as he humanly possibly could with, without, you know, losing all his time to sitting with me or taking me to the grocery store. He couldn't, he didn't have time to do any of that. Right. So, I mean, I downed, you know, those, those old, if you can remember those, uh, Gatorade shakes, yeah. the canned Gatorade the canned shakes. Ones that came in a black yeah. can. Yeah. Yeah. Oh I, I drank those. Oh, I, drank, wow. I drank at least three of those. I think after every lift on That's top of something we would make our old linemen do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was really difficult. And as a female, I also sure. ran into the issue of, hang on, I'm feel like I'm just getting bigger, like bulkier. I, I'm not really sure if this is strength. I'm not. And mind you, I had never set foot in a weight room before mm. college. Like we're talking, this is 2008. So I, uh, I didn't really, I didn't really know what, uh, what to do in terms of weight gain. So that's kind of where it started. And one of the upperclassmen told me that I should maybe consider taking a nutrition course. And then I took the nutrition course and kind of started putting things together, started putting together what a carbohydrate was, how it could give me energy that protein wasn't going to just make me huge. If I had a lot of it, um, what the role of fats were, uh, in, in terms of, of helping me gain weight, uh, what modifications I needed to make in my, in my everyday diet and my snacking. So that, that slightly helped me. And then I took another course and then I just kind of fell, fell in love with it, but that wasn't initially what my career was, which is where, the Spanish speaking comes in because I was originally uh, translating and interpreting major 
So I went, I went through with both of those majors and finished them out, but, nice. but I couldn't help myself. Nutrition just was, was a calling. And then I realized sports nutrition existed and was in its infancy. And then it just, it just sort of happened from there on. Now, that's a, that's a great story. And it's funny because you, you brought up this Gatorade cans. Cause I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Cause I just, you know, I remember those being a staple of uh, the weight rooms back then, but um, you mentioned that, you know, being a female, you were just worried about, you know, getting bulky and just, it, I've never heard of a, a one of our a women athletes uh, slamming three Gatorade shakes right after a, like a workout <laughs> like that. But um is the communication style or is the message different having to talk nutrition with the female athlete versus talking nutrition with the male athlete? Occasionally uh, I'll find some females that will come in my office similar to a male and will say, I need to put some weight on. Don't care what it looks like. You know, I need to, I just need to put some weight on. It needs to happen right now. Kind of how Mm. I felt. Um, And then I'll have some male athletes that will come in and say, well, I want to cut and it doesn't matter what happens to my performance. Right. I really want to look good. So you have, mm. I think you have both ends of the spectrum. So I, I try to keep an open mind when athletes come in and, and not think that it's always going to be that black and white. Sure. Sure. And what would you say is the biggest part of your communication or, or the biggest roadblock that you're seeing with the modern athlete coming in today? Cause I know being a part of a football team and you're in a D one school and you've seen, I mean, all kinds of athletes from MLB all the way to you know, collegiate, you know, there's a broad spectrum of socioeconomic backgrounds and different cultures and stuff. What would you say is the biggest piece of it, uh, advice or how you communicate with the macro group of athletes i think i think it i think more and more athletes are coming in with an overload of correct and incorrect information Mm. so me having through sift to sift through that information gets quite difficult because on one end you have me and maybe if i'm if i'm lucky enough like i have been here some sports medicine staff and some strength coaches and coaches who have kind of taken what I've said and have rolled with it and Mm. really, really honed in on it and, and repeat it daily or the athletes are on TikTok, Right. right, And, (laughs) and they're, and they're listening to those messages from whatever non-licensed professional. I think that that has been the biggest change I've seen in the last couple of years Mm. is that overload of information and not, them not being able to know what information to trust. Hmm. That's interesting. And, and it makes sense because TikTok is where everybody's going to or Instagram reels or everybody's going to define stuff. Um, what would you say is what are, what are the, one of the largest myths of nutrition that you're trying to debunk or like get into the heads of either strength staff or oh, well, let's go with athletes first. I know the strength staff were a mess and we got our <laughs> own problems that we got to work through, but what about uh, with the athletes? What's the biggest myth that you're seeing come through right now? Oh, it's unfortunately it's still good foods versus bad foods, that mm-hmm. classification. And to be a little bit more specific, the, the line that carbs are bad for you. 
Mm. So it's, it's kind of a mixture of not, like I said before, not understanding where the information is coming from and, and what, what sources to trust. So I think that that would, with the athletes, I think that that's the largest is still that carbs are bad. And thankfully, at least in our football program, since I've been with them for whatever, two, two years or so now they'll correct each other. Mm. You know, they'll look at each other and say, that's not, that's not true. Or the older guys will tell the younger guys. So I, I am a little bit more proud of that, that the, our older generation understands it now. And they, they have seen, I think the impacts that it has had on them as mm-hmm. athletes and in, in the classroom too, keeping their energy levels up in the weight room as well. Sure. So they'll, they'll correct the younger guys, which is good. Now it's just a matter of getting it to, to the rest of the department. Gotcha. Gotcha. And what about in the community? I'm sure you have family members asking you some advice and whatnot. And I'm Latino, you're a Latina. And like, there's just stigmas everywhere or what it's like working with, you know, people outside of the realm of athletics. What, uh, I mean, I, the amount of information I get from coaches, like, Hey, can you put me on something that's helped me get shredded and, and like, look like Arnold Schwarzenegger. And I'm like, <laughs> look, there's, there's two very big, like dueling things you're t- trying to talk about right there. But, um, what would you say is a big myth that you're seeing that from people that aren't active athletes right now? I think on that end, it's still going back to the same idea of just being completely confused because mm. there's so much coming out. And and it's along the lines of should I fast? Should uh, I not fast? Yeah, should fast, I eat carbs? Yeah. Should I should I go keto? Should yeah. I do paleo? Should I only, you know, eat vegetables? How much protein? What kind of so it's good that we're asking all of these questions, but I think we're just so overwhelmed. And I think that keeping it simple is just, when I tell them it's okay, you can have a cookie once in a while. I think they, they don't understand. They don't, they don't understand because we're used to, as human beings, we're used to following these patterns and Mm. we think that it's just always discipline all the time. But I think there is a healthy balance in understanding that the discipline occasionally you need to break that. Otherwise you're going to get stuck in there and you won't make any progress with yourself. We'll be right back. High school coaches, listen here and check this out. If you've always wanted gym wear, but never had the budget, we have some big news for you. Gym wear and flex are now together in one place. The flex hardware now integrates with gym Aware's team app and cloud, giving you more data than before. Teams with smaller budgets can access the same technology the professionals use without breaking the bank. Before locking in your next weight room upgrade, be sure to reach out to the team at GymAware first. I'm telling you, you can have a cost-effective, accurate VBT technology and GymAware right in your weight room. Check them out at GymAware.com. I like that. That's a. I like how you're able to break it down and make it simple. So it's not something very regimented and then they're just going to fall off the wayside with that. So let's just get to the point. What's it like working with the strength coach? I I know you're (laughs) lucky that your, your husband is the the head strength coach there, but I, I mean, we're highly caffeinated (laughs) and we're very low, like low sleeping. And we're just like working out all the time, which is like, wreaking havoc on our immune systems and whatnot. So 
you know, what are some myths that you're seeing with strength and conditioning and what is it? Let's start out with just the myths of strength and conditioning. What, what are you seeing amongst like the coaches? So I still see, I still see a lot of, uh, only protein, only protein, mm. the, the protein only for recovery. Right. Um, I still see a lot of that. Not that that's a, not that that's a bad thing by any means. You can tell um, how it is, Susanna. We, we, we won't get our feelings here. No. You can just tell how it is. <laughs> I think, I think the thought is still, it is the right concept, right? We mm. want to enhance muscle protein synthesis. Mm. Um, but also we need to take into consideration that, which, which is where the dietitian comes in. We need to take into consideration that your athlete probably hasn't eaten anything for like five hours. Sure. So just giving them protein after a lift is probably not going to be enough most Mm. of the time. So I think, I think, uh, on paper, it's really easy to look at an athlete and say, you need to have protein every three to four hours. That's like the biggest one, right? We push the protein a lot. I do it too. I, Mm. I, um, consider myself more of a, on the closer end of the strength coach spectrum, just because I do push a higher protein and I'm sure. okay with it. Yeah. Um, so we definitely want to utilize our, our carbs as well. I think mm. that that is one of those concepts where strength coaches are still struggling right. to, to understand the need for carbs. So it, it all comes down to really understanding your athlete's schedule. So this mm. goes kind of I'm digging deep here, but going into that food insecurity realm Mm. where your athletes probably haven't eaten anything for the last couple of hours and asking them, right. And maybe something else I would say strength coaches can do a a little bit more of is utilizing, you know, your, your conversations with your athletes to ask them if they've eaten, Mm. to ask them, you know, when, what the last meal they had was. To ask them what it looked like. That that is one of those more simple things that you can do. And a lot of the times, I also notice, like you said, we're he- we're heavily caffeinated. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's that's so. And I work with a lot of not just my husband. I work with a lot of strength coaches. Sure. Across the country, that send me their athletes because they they don't have a dietitian and right. they want me to just you know twenty minutes talk to my athlete, please, kind of uh. a thing. Um, and that is, that is another thing. If whatever you are doing, Mm. your athletes spend the most time with you. Mm. So whatever you do, you have to realize that your athletes are mimicking your actions Mm. as strength coaches, because they do respect you and the coaches do respect you, whether you believe it or not, the dietitians respect you, the sports med staff respects you and what you, what you're doing. And when you go into your workout and all your athletes see you consume is a bang all day, you know, that speaks a lot. That speaks a lot more than, you know, so even if you, even if you're willing to be more open with your athletes and eat in front of them, I know maybe not while you're coaching them, right. That would be difficult, but eat around them when they come in and do extra work, extra stretching, be more vulnerable in your nutrition and your nutrition beliefs and open up to them as well. I think that's uh, some powerful advice. And I, you know what, we always talk to our athletes and see how they're doing and stuff. And it didn't even cross my mind to, you know, ask me, you know, how, how you doing? And, you know, what did you eat today? What did it look like? But, um, and I, th- I think it's one of those things and it's th- maybe perhaps it's the more recent strength coaches in the last couple of decades, but 
<clears throat> excuse me, uh, is whether or not, you know, is this my scope? Like, you know, I mean, like what line do we cross between, you know, Hey, let, what does your, your plate look like versus, you know, this is something that the dietitian or the perform, performance nutrition staff should be handling. Like what's some advice on that? Cause that's what I was thinking right now. I was like, I started asking them, but then I'd be like, what, but then uh, what, what do I do? I, yeah. What do I cross the line and be like, look, just go talk to our nutritionist. Yeah. Uh, so there's a couple of red flags to look for, mm. right. When they, when they say, Oh, I haven't eaten anything today, automatically dietitian, because that can mean a number of things that can mean I don't have time to eat or I had practice and I had to skip from, you know, I had to, the dining hall closed and I didn't make it on time, which I see happens every day. Um, it can mean I'm trying to lose weight. So I didn't eat mm. like, there's a lot of things that that statement can mean, or I didn't have enough money to eat mm. or my roommate ate my food. Yeah. Um, or I had a, you know, mental breakdown this morning and I forgot to eat. Right. It, it can mean just a number of things. And and to me, I see that as, oh man, here's here's an excellent opportunity to open a conversation about food. And for you all, you know, it's difficult because all you see is I'm gonna ask, I'm gonna do my job and ask, and then yeah. I'm gonna move on. Right, right. So just looking for the red flags and not even not even just asking questions like, did you eat today? Mm. I would say, you know, how's your what's your energy level like right now? If mm. if your athlete seems different you know how sometimes your athletes come in and you, you as a strength coach, know right. when your top guys are, are, and girls are not performing the same, you know, something's off, right. You know, something's off and, and you want to know what it is because it's not something that they're, that they're um, usually about. So a lot of it can, you know, it, it might have to do with food, maybe not, but we, we right. want to, we want to ask. And, you know, I, I'm at a, at a D2 and I, like I've said before, I, I've been lucky enough that we have an RD and she's very, very capable, but it's not the case at a lot of places and, um, or in how it started with you, you're one person with every team. So it's like, it's a lot to handle. So what mm -hmm. would you say is, so I'm, I'm just thinking from like the strength coach perspective. All right. Let's say I notice I mean, not disordered eating, but like just they're not eating They They could probably use some nutrition education, but you know, you're an RD, which is, I know like the gold standard, but there's a lot of nutritionists and there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of fitness places have like weekend certification. What's one thing you should say, here's who you should seek out to get your athletes to, or here's, here's the best people that can help you with that. De obviously definitely an RD. Um, mm. and I think a lot of it has to do with what we're able to identify. Mm. So like my, for example, my assessment will cover everything. It's a 30 minute assessment and I'll cover everything from previous injuries to food intolerances to, you know, how they're feeling in the weight room, how their sleep is. Um, and it goes down to even how, they they're sleeping throughout the day if they're napping and how it's affecting their circadian rhythms and how mm. it's then translating to them wanting to eat or not wanting to eat. Mm. Uh, so it's really, it's really in depth and it's, it's a lot more than, than strength coaches have considered. And I know that because 
whenever I talk to my husband about it, he said, mm-hmm. you, you ask about that. I said, yeah, of course, of course right. I ask about it. Um, so I, I think, and, and the dietitian having an open, I'm kind of going on a tangent, but the dietitian having an open conversation with a strength coach, an honest one mm-hmm. about, you know, let's work together. We are not working against each other. Sure. And, you know, I think, I think that that's huge too, because in the past, I understand the strength coach was responsible for all of the nutrition. Right. And that Mm. that's a really heavy job. And considering all of the things that, that I have to do with each one of my athletes to understand their upbringing, understand their gut health, their medical history, uh, the potential of red S or maybe an injury, why an athlete is not having their period any longer, things like that, Mm. like medical, medical issues. Right. I think that's when you really need to seek out a dietitian and, and work together to kind of help that athlete move along their path. Definitely. That, that's uh, some very good information and I, you nailed it on the head. We should always be working together, not against each other. And like, whatever you need, we'll help you out and, and whatever you help you can give us, we'll make sure that get gets implemented. Now you've also mentioned you have fueling stations and I'd imagine they are as hard to run as it looks like there's just a lot of snacks and a whole bunch of stuff. And, and I was looking at, it, I was like, there's no way out unless I had a, like, a small <laughs> army of interns where we could start getting that fueling station. But you know, what is it like setting that up and what are some major things that you're looking for when you create a fueling station? What would seem like every practice or every day? So we started out just to give you kind of a general idea. When I first got here, it was my Mm. first day. I walked in um, and I was given two things. I was given a file with a hundred before and after pick or before, just kidding. A hundred before pictures of athletes by one of the coaches. And he handed me this flash drive and goes, I don't know if you want to look at this but I want you to look at this because I really want you to fix it. So that was my first interaction. So just, just to kind of set it all on the table. So that was the first, the first thing I received. And then the second thing was a table, uh, which was supposed to be my fueling station, Um, a table with some white bread, a peanut butter jar and (laughs) a tongue, you know, the tongue depressors from the, from the sports med staff. Yeah one of those in there, just Um, just some jelly. (laughs) Yeah. Some jelly, uh, right. Napkins and some chewy bars. Nice. That's where, that's where our fueling station started and it was better than nothing. Right. Um, so what I ended up doing, and if you're a strength coach who doesn't have a dietitian, you can do this as well. And I've talked to several strength coaches who are trying to get a program started. Mm. Um, I came in and started with a survey. And I did an assessment on the athletes and the survey asked a lot of different questions. Like how often are you hungry before practice? So what you basically, what you want to do, you want to establish that need and you want to present that need to your administration uh, or to whoever is, is overseeing you. Right. Mm. Um, You want to let administration know that your athletes are probably skipping meals there. If you have an early practice, they're probably not having breakfast and you want to let them also know that if they don't understand basic nutrition, they won't understand how to feel themselves. Hmm. So that honestly, that is what allowed 
to answer your original question, having that assessment, that survey done, and then presenting that information to the coaches first and then to our admin is what allowed me to develop a fueling station because we saw the need and we saw how impactful it was going to be for athletes. And it wasn't a state of the art, you know, like the ones that you see most day to, I don't have, I don't have a blending station. I don't have a counter. It's not organized. It's, it's, it's still, it's still a table. Mm-hmm. It still has breakfast cereal um, milk, PB and J's, they're still there. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got, we've got yogurt in there now. I mean, if, if all you can do is the cheapest thing I would say as of right now is bag pretzels before practice. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's all you can do. That's better than, that's better than your athletes going into an early practice after having slept, hopefully for seven plus hours. <laughs> right, right. But but that's where it starts. You use just start small and then you sure. continue to show the need. And maybe, maybe if you're, if you have enough, I mean, pull with your sports medicine staff, you get an injury report from last season and then you start a fueling station and then you start to combine the injury report and, and mm. move on from there. If you're a strength coach or trainer and tired of using Excel, then you need to check out Team Builder. You already know who they are. Team Builder is the online strength conditioning software for strength coaches and personal trainers. No matter what your setting is or how many athletes you're training, you can log into Team Builder and write programs, build questionnaires, and access athlete and client performance data. Go completely paperless and program through Team Builder's TV mode, their weight review function, or the mobile app that comes free with every subscription. Start your 14-day trial for free today by using the promo code CHALK, that's promo code C-H-A-L-K, to become part of the hashtag Team Builder Nation alongside with six NCAA national champions, three NCAA runner-ups, Super Bowl champions, and many other championship teams. With affordable subscriptions for personal trainers to personal organizations and professional organizations, everything in between, Team Builder is a company that puts the customer first. If you're still not convinced, schedule a 30-minute demo with Team Builder Expert on teambuilder.com and see what they can offer you. Hewitt and the staff at Team Builder are standout individuals and their product is phenomenal. Check them out. Thanks everyone for listening. Thank you to our great guests for taking the time to share their experiences. Thank you to Play and Team Builder for being great companies that help our profession. And most importantly, thank you, the listeners. Please find us on social media at Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0. Find our show notes on wherever you listen to your podcast. Leave us a rating, comment, and subscribe. And don't forget to say hi. It's great to hear from coaches from around the country. Talk to you all next week on another episode of Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0.